your hosts have earned a reputation as fierce and effective advocates inside and outside of the courtroom. Both partners are experienced trial attorneys who have been board certified in family law by the Texas Board of Legal Specialization. Welcome back to For Better or Worse, Our Divorce. I'm here with criminal defense lawyer extraordinaire Rick Kofer. So Rick, just like we do in court, tell us your name, tell us who you are, tell us where you grew up. Rick Kofer, Kofer and Conley, on behalf of the accused. <laughs> I grew up in Plano, Texas. It's no Waxahachie, but it's not bad. It's close geographically, right? It is. You're a child of Ellis, and I'm a child of Collin County, and there's just one Metroplex separating us. Well, I want to get into how you became the lawyer for the defense, but first of all, you and I met in law school, as I remember correctly. So tell us about why your hopes and dreams and why you decided to become a lawyer and go to one of the best law schools in, in the nation. You remember incorrectly. We met when I was in undergraduate. That's true. I would have been 19 years old. Young Jake Gilbraith is 21 years old and he chooses to run as a Democrat uh, for the legislature against the longtime chairman of the House Appropriations Committee. And we had a mutual friend named April Adams, yep. who's apparently doing quite well now. And she said, I want you to meet my friend, Jake Gilbraith. I gave you, I think, $50 or $100. I did. Uh, and I think you got more votes than any Democrat had received in a generation, which was about 18%. Yeah, it was a little, it was like 20, I think it was 21%. But yeah, Ellis County, Texas, I've talked about that on the podcast. That is how we met. That, that was is how we met. Mm -hmm. Pre-law school. Then we did go to law school together. You didn't had a see much each other that much because I think we were both working throughout law school. Or we did both work and, I, and either you were ahead of me by a year, or I was ahead of, by, ahead of you by a year. I think you're older than me. You had better grades. How old are you? I just turned 40 in March. Say, I just turned 39, my friend. You're the older one. It's kind of killing me. <laughs> Things hurt. I mean, it's all downhill from now. It's fine. It's Eddie in the morning. You and I are both chugging coffee. Mm -hmm. So, Lord, it's been that long since you went to law school. Okay, so I think you're, you're ahead of me because you're older, my friend. So tell us about the career, Rick Kofer, though. How did you end up where you're sitting right now? Which, and I will say, in all seriousness, I believe Rick's the best criminal defense lawyer in Central Texas. I don't, you know, I think you, we'll talk about it in a second. I think you'll take cases outside of Central Texas. Mm -hmm. Depends on it. But my criminal defense work in the firm gets referred to Rick. So tell us how you became, like people always ask, like, how the hell did you become a family lawyer? How did you become a criminal defense lawyer? Like you, I was a precocious who loved politics, and I pieced together really quickly that it was very difficult to make a career in politics, but it seemed like the people that did law generally did well. And so I went to law school without much of a plan of what to do after that. Other than that, I wanted to make a little bit of money, and I'd gotten a degree in, I think, uh, what, historical poetry, <laughs> something like that. And they weren't selling jobs down at the history factory. And my first job out of law school was working for a prominent criminal defense lawyer. And from there, went into prosecution for a decade. And in I, Travis County, right? In Travis County, Travis County District Attorney's Office. And I loved working in prosecution. I loved working in government. But you can only work in government for so long or you make it your life career. Right. And I did not want to be a career lifetime prosecutor. 
and I love trying cases, and this was sort of the, the next step. And so, so what? Tell me before we get into that. What what division were you in? What type of cases did you prosecute down at down at the DA's office? Started out like everyone doing a lot of driving while intoxicated, a lot of assault, family violence. Progressed over time to a full suite of felony charges, from drugs to capital murder, with a tour of duty in juvenile handling a lot of child abuse and sex offenses. Mm -hmm. And I have a little cottage industry now representing juveniles, so individuals who committed some type of sex crime when they were under the age of 17. We do that all over the state of Texas and also a lot of adult sex offenses. So tell, talk to us about the transition. So you made the decision to go into private practice, work at the DA's office. I mean, I knew you when you at the DA's office. Mm -hmm. you feared prosecutor and now you're going to working for the other side. So how do you break the news to everybody? Tell me about the transition to the side. Cause you didn't just do that. You went out on your own. That's uh, right. I think you and I have a shared philosophy that lawyering is lawyering. And like in your practice, whether you're on the side of what I would say is the good spouse or the side of the problematic spouse, both sides have a story to tell. And in criminal law, there are huge differences between working as the government, the prosecutor, or the defense. When you're the government, you swear an oath to see that justice is done. That's a really cool job. You wake up every morning, your job is to go do justice. Do justice, don't mess it up. <laughs> right, exactly, it's not try, it's see that it's done. On the defense, I'm not representing the interests of the state of Texas or the people. I'm representing the interests of the man or woman sitting in front of me, and my job is to tell their story and everyone has a version of their life that makes sense to them because just about nobody thinks they're a bad person so how did that so did you go off on your own did you get a law partner kind of how, how did you develop into Kofor and Connolly i guess let's pause for a minute and make a plug for your very talented yes. uh, law partner tell us, about, Connolly. tell us about jeffrey a little bit jeffrey Connolly, like jake gilbraith family law attorney extraordinaire we do a lot of work with Gilbraith Walters yep. and sometimes on opposite sides, sometimes when there's a conflict, we'll refer something or they'll refer something. But to back up, I went into private practice, basically hung a shingle. And I remember I found a desk on Craigslist and it said it's a 100% teak desk for $75. Okay, well I need a desk. I went down yeah. to pick it up and it was just, you know, like Walmart plywood stapled to but it was a crappy desk. But well, and let's be real, Rick Kofer, Jake Gilbert is not going to roll up their sleeves and build their own desk. No, that's right. That's uh, right. No. Uh, uh, I think we would mess that up. Yes. And so I just had, you know, a, kind of a ratty office with a ratty desk and, and started practicing law and things kind of grew over time. And eventually I reached the point where I knew that to continue to grow and build the practice I wanted, I could not do it alone. And I had been very blessed to come into contact with Jeffrey Conley. Brilliant lawyer, had been from Georgia, had moved to Austin about five years ago. And we were not childhood friends right. like you and I, and we were not bosom buddies. And I think the success of our practice and our partnership is attributable to a relationship that's rooted in professional respect, mm -hmm. uh, personal admiration, but it is not an emotional relationship. It's not a, oh my, he's my best friend. And I right. think that's actually been a huge strength of ours. Just like I'm sure you and your partner have disagreements every now and then, 
we have our disagreements occasionally, but they're very rare and they are resolved quite easily. Yeah, I always feel sorry for people that sit in on the uh, lunches or dinners with me and Brian because we just sit around and talk about the business, right? Because yeah, that's exactly. that's what we want to do all day, right? right? It's, mm -hmm. it's, we love what we do. We love the practice a lot. We just want to talk about it all day. And I'll say, and then we'll sort of get back to kind of how y'all have grown and everything. But yeah, Jeffrey kind of came on the scene about four or five years ago. Like you said, from Georgia. I mean, I knew him before trying a case against him, and he was working for a different lawyer at the time before he partnered up with you. And we did a jury trial against him. And boy, he's charming. And we did and both sides did a very good job, but he was really charming in front of that jury. I thought he did a great job. He has that quality that great politicians have, which is he can walk into any room and everybody loves him and he is effortlessly likable and charismatic on top of the fact that he just has brilliant trial instincts. Usually there's an inverse relationship between how much a lawyer says he or she is a trial dog right. versus how much they actually go to court. And Jeffrey is one of those that thrives inside a courtroom, but is not the type to brag about. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Back to you, the uh, Kofer of Kofer and Congress. Yes. So tell me how y'all grown because y'all, it's not just we breaking have, his Walmart desk anymore. No, we, we were really a product of COVID. Jeffrey and I had kind of plotted out partnering up and what we wanted a law firm to look like for about six or nine months in 2019. We had this whole timeline. We thought we were really clever. We put it all together. And we filed our certificate of formation on March 23rd, 2020. Just could not have picked- it was literally the day that the courthouse closed. Yes, could not have picked a worse time. He had quit his very well-paying family law attorney position two or three weeks prior. And then of course the, the world sort of collapsed. At the time it was terrifying. In hindsight, it has been a huge strength because we were born out of COVID and we're able to build to be much more remote friendly and technology friendly and to be very nimble. You know, the original plan was to focus much more on our immediate environs of Austin, Travis County, Williamson County, Hayes County. I just finished running our, and I'm sure you did the same thing, our first half of 2022 numbers. 40% of our cases are in Travis County, 60% yeah. are outside, about 12, 15% in Williamson, about 10% in Hayes, which means that almost 40 odd percent of our cases are the Texas Hill Country, right. West Texas. And I mean, we go to, golly, we have a, Thursdays are always our worst day. Every court loves to have settings on Thursdays. Yeah. And so I was looking at next Thursday and we're going to Bay City. Yeah. We're going to Huntsville. Uh, we're going to Victoria. And then of course, Fredericksburg and the Hill Country. Well, and that's the sign though, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it's, this makes us sound older, but gone are the days of where, you know, if you're going to have a lawyer, it's got to be the three choices of where the lawyer is in your town. And, mm -hmm. and you go to this one, that one, or that one, depending on what your case is. I mean, folks, Myers, you know, it's the same with the family law. And I'm sure Jeffrey sees this too, is people just want a good lawyer. That's right. And at the end of the day, that comes down to knowing the law, of course. And it comes down to courtroom skills, right? Which we have, Jeffrey has. And then a lot of it comes down to, and this is something that y'all do really well I wanna to touch on is, is communication, right? It's just mm -hmm. shocking.
people that listen to the podcast will get sick of me talking about it, but it's just shocking as far as like communication goes. What I, I preach about you and Jeffrey, I think I had a criminal defense question the other day. I think I called you on the way to work at like 7.45 in the morning, which you were probably a little cranky about. And uh, you picked up, you called, you talked me through it. I mean, I send clients to you. It's like, well, Jake, here's my cell. Have them call my cell. So tell us about you. you. Yeah. When I started, I very much wanted to bring the mentality that I like in customer service to my own practice, where if you call a business office line, a human being answers and you can get your question dealt with. I don't like automated systems. I don't like being put on hold. And we're not necessarily an emergency department, but if your client's calling you really early or really late, it's probably has the feeling of an emergency yeah. to them. And so Something early on- bad has probably happened. Yeah, and so early on, I was like, oh, here's my cell phone number, here's my cell phone number. And then pretty quickly realized, well, quickly, about after 18 months, a lot of things that people feel are emergencies maybe aren't and over time, I've really shifted much more, I think like you, to trying to run communication through the office. Yeah. However, there are really genuine emergencies. And, and what I found is people want to be heard, they want to be responded to. Well, they want to be able to jump on that virtual meeting or that phone yeah. call. It's not, oh, you want to talk to Rick? Well, Mr. Kofer will see you in two weeks at 3 p.m. on a Tuesday. I've seen y'all just be a really responsive. Are somebody at your office? I mean, so talk to you about how many lawyers you have working with you. Because let's say Rick's not available. Let's say Rick's trying a two-week jury trial yeah. in Comal, Texas, Comal County, Texas. He's not available. Talk to what's your bench look like? That's part of the model is we really rely on teamwork. And we've been blessed to bring on to the team lawyers who are hopefully much better than I am. My goal, I think similar to yours, I want to be the worst lawyer at my law firm. I always want to hire people that I think are better than me, at least in the area that they focus on. And so we have Joffrey Purrier, who's a former district judge, longtime assistant district attorney. He joined the practice. We have Mark Pryor, who's a 20-year lawyer, longtime ADA, had been a white shoe lawyer at Vincent and Elkins. We have a number of younger, who are now really becoming mid-level associates who are quite talented in the areas they focus on. So the goal is... If you have a white collar case or a child abuse case or your routine driving while intoxicated case, it's not a one size fits all. We're making sure that you're getting the resources on your case from the people that are the very best at what they do. So talk to me briefly about just to sort of, I guess, let's talk a little bit about family law and criminal offense. Because a lot of times I'll be getting, you'll be getting the call from mm -hmm. me because I'll have a client and he or she's being accused of a crime, but they're also going through a divorce. A lot of times it's because of mm -hmm. family violence issue, but obviously we have, you know, sex abuse crimes being alleged in a divorce. Sometimes there's legitimacy to it, sometimes it's just totally made up and it's part of a you know scheme of alienation, sometimes it's in between. So how do you approach it? Let's say either Jeffrey's got a family law case and you're doing the criminal defense, or I've got a family law case. You know, how are you interacting with the family lawyer in the case and kind of coaching the client to deal with the civil aspect of what's going on in his or her life while at the same time they've got criminal charges pending. We do a lot of work that has overlapping criminal and family law elements. Nine times out of 10, the family law case drives the boat. And there are two main reasons for that. One is that unless we are resolving the criminal matter with a dismissal, we can't really put the client in the position of making an admission of any type of violence or bad acts because that can contribute to a disproportionate division right. of the community estate can make the divorce very problematic. 
The second reason is when there is a divorce or a child custody matter and there's animosity between parents or players in the family law case, emotions are high. Virtually every criminal matter in which there is a complainant or a victim on the other side, the district attorney or prosecutor will call that person and say, well, I'm thinking about dismissing Joe Boy's case. You know, what would you think about that? And if the husband is really mad at the wife in this divorce, that husband is much more likely to say, oh, well, you know, no, I don't think so. And hang her high. And right. She's the worst thing ever. Typically, after a divorce is settled out or a saps or suit affecting parent-child relationship is sorted out, people's emotions cool. They become a little bit more reasonable. And then I, as the lawyer, can go in on the back end on the criminal matter and talk with the complainant with the permission of their lawyer and say, you want your husband, ex-husband to have a job and pay child support and be a good father for your children. Wouldn't that all be further enabled with treatment and counseling and therapy for the problems you've identified? Wouldn't that be better than, for example, making him a convicted felon? And that's different conversation. I will say this, what I have learned, I think divorce lawyers have the harder job. That's funny because I always tell people our job's hard, but I don't know if I can do criminal offense. Absolutely, because my clients who have allegedly committed murder or some other type of terrible offense, generally the nicest people in the world, super friendly, they come in and, and just a joy to work with. My clients on very low level criminal matters that have some related divorce, are just a ball of emotion. Yeah, no, I get it. I think the saying is that criminal law, you see sometimes bad people on their best behavior. Mm -hmm. And then family law, you see good people on their worst behavior. So it's, you know, it's hard, but it all comes down to just, I mean, like you said, people have a story to tell and they need to be able to tell that story and they need a lawyer that's going to be there for them. I mean, it's, goes back to something I say on the, on the podcast and I talk to clients about too. And I know you take this to heart and Jeffrey does. I mean, folks don't want a lawyer that's going to sit there and beat them up and say, well, why did you do this? Or you're wrong or this. They want somebody that's there to advocate for them and, and, you know, frankly, be there for the good and bad. Like, we're Mm -hmm. not going to sit there and tell people everything's great and rosy if it's not. I mean, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. Uh, Sometimes they're going through awful situations and it's hard. And the last thing they want is some lawyer going, well, this is your fault or, you know, "I, I can't handle a difficult case. I don't like your case. I'm getting out of here. Like that's, they need us when it gets hard. Otherwise just represent yourself. But if it's a hard case, then call one of us. I've given a lot of thought to why people hire us, us as lawyers. And I analogize it to when I need my truck worked on, I know nothing about cars or engines, but the check engine light will come on or every few years I need to pass inspection. And I take the truck and I know nothing. And I assume that the mechanic I go to is good I have no idea if they are good or not. They have good reviews, but that doesn't tell me the quality of their work. And they'll call and say, oh, Rick, the dilithium crystal and the flux capacitor needs to be recalibrated. (laughs) I'm like, could be lying through their teeth. Right. And I don't know if I need $200 of work or $2,000 of work. But the mechanic I go to, I like because they make me feel like I'm being taken care of. Similar to our work, I think it's really hard for potential clients and active clients to know if we're doing a good job or not. Because a lot of times I will just hit a home run. I will have done the Lord's work, uh, pulled off a miracle. And they're like, why didn't you do it two months ago? Right. Or other times, you know, maybe I hit a double instead of a home run. And they're like, not since Atticus Finch defended Tom Robinson (laughs) has there been finer lawyering. I I did a good job, but not not, not quite that good. And what's struck me 
is when people come to us, the job to be done, it's not exactly legal services. Yes, right. they're buying legal services, but the job to be done they're asking for is help me through this scary thing. I agree. And that's why you and I see bad lawyers who are really good at the hand-holding, who then do terrible legal work. And Horrible. I think our great strength, both uh, you, Jake Gilbraith, and me, Rick Kofer, is that we really do help clients through troubling moments and perform great legal work. That's what we're here for. Well, before I forget, tell me how people can get in touch with you. KoferConley.com, 512-200-3801, Google Rick Kofer. Google Austin Criminal Lawyer. Hopefully our search engine optimization is not as good as Jake Gilbraith, but we'll come up. All right. Well, I appreciate it. So that's all we have for today. As always, if you like what you heard, do us a favor and leave a review. We appreciate feedback. You can email us at podcast at waltersgilbert.com. And thank you for listening. For information about the topics covered in today's episode and more, you can visit our website at waltersgilbreth.com. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of For Better, Worse, or Divorce, where we post new episodes every first and third Wednesday. Do you have a topic you want discussed or a question for our hosts? Email us at podcast at waltersgilbreth.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time.